Welcome to the Middle East Update with Amir Sarfati. Amir discusses the latest news from Israel and the region through the lens of biblical prophecy. The original video versions can be found on Behold Israel's YouTube and Facebook channels. To make it convenient, we've converted them to audio format to keep up with your busy schedule. Be sure to also subscribe to Amir Sarfati on Telegram for daily updates from the Middle East. Amir's Middle East updates are based on the latest and most reliable sources, so you know you're getting the most accurate news. Now, on to the update. Hey, shalom everyone. This is Amir Tsofati, and this is a special update on the Ukraine war. This is not a, a Middle East update. This is not prophecy, Bible prophecy teaching. This is an update on the five possible scenarios as we enter into the second month of the Ukraine war. There's a lot of deceptions, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of disinformation, misinformation. There's so much that is going on and so many people are not aware of what is going on and what the possible um, solutions or end of this uh, whole thing can be. And after uh, studying carefully in the last few days, uh, from Israeli generals, Israeli officers in the intelligence, as well as other military strategists uh, across the globe. They came up with this uh, interesting uh, message on the five possible scenarios for the Ukraine war, which I, I really would appreciate if you could share, because this is probably the uh, best way for you to understand not only how it started, but mostly how it can end, um, and there's, uh, there's about five different scenarios, and uh, some of them are better than others, but uh, all of them are on. So allow me first to start with a prayer, and then we can dive into this very important special update on what's next in the Ukraine war. So Father, we thank you so much. You created this world, and we, uh, we know that you know the end from the beginning. You know the hearts of men. You know that uh, no war lasts forever. You have allowed this war for a reason and for a season. And now we ask, Father, that you will help us to gain understanding of what is going on around us. Give us wisdom to understand also uh, how to stay focused on, on your business. But also, Father, make us also understand that uh, this world is, of course, not our place. Man's heart is full of evil. And this is so uh, much more even a reason for us not to uh, want to stay here forever, but to long uh, and eagerly wait for your return to come and take us out of here. So we thank you and we bless you in the name of the Holy One of Israel, Yeshua HaMashiach, we pray. Amen. So again, shalom, everyone, and uh, welcome to this very special update on what's next in the Ukraine war. Again, this is not a Middle East update. I'm not going to talk about Israel. I'm not going to talk about the Middle East. We're going to talk about the possible scenarios for the Ukraine war. A lot has happened over the last month. We just entered into the second month of a war that most people thought will end within a few days. But um, as the um, general, the German general, Prussian general from the 1800s, Karl von Clausewitz, as he wrote in his book, Vom Krieg, about war, he actually wrote uh, some interesting things. One of them is that all plans go wrong in the first impact in a battlefield, which is the kingdom of uncertainty. More so, 
He also explained that war is nothing but a continuation of policy in different means. Putin, I think, uh, learns very quickly on his own flesh what Clausewitz wrote in his book from the 1800. His war went wrong probably from its first day, and his ability to translate his moves in the battlefield in order to get his political means is filled with a lot of uncertainty. So I'm going to try and look into what is going on here and what could be the possible end a, a, a solution and arrangement for a solution at the very end. Okay, so first of all, we all know that um, every war, and the Ukraine war is one of those, is going on in four different levels, in the military, in the political, in a financial, but also in the conscience level, in the consciousness. And within a, a, a whole month, uh, this war is nothing but getting more and more complicated. Uh, the development in the battlefield reflect a huge difference between the expectation of Putin for a quick military uh, move that will immediately bring about the collapse of uh, the um, government in Kiev. Uh, and also, obviously, the reality, which is being in the same place, very weak performance of the Russian army and very effective uh, resistance of the Ukrainian military that is getting much help from uh, the West. But also, um, I think that Putin never expected the coming together of so many Western countries led by America uh, and all these sanctions that were imposed overnight that are there to basically bring down the Russian economy. And so when you don't have any decisive uh, and uh, in the military level, both sides find it very hard to end up this conflict on the ground and enter into a real substantial um, political uh, uh, or, or diplomatic um, uh, process. When you have no decisive uh, uh, result on the ground, Every side has his own illusion that time works for them. And therefore, they raise the bet and they play all in. And, and that is why we are not really looking into getting into uh, some possible ceasefire and a very defined agreement. Um, but uh, let, let's try first and understand what are all the different components that are on the table of negotiations. First of all, we know that from the second week of this war, there are already some sort of negotiations between the parties, but every side is changing his position based on what's going on on the ground. And uh, of course, not just the military ground, not, not, not just the, the war zone, but also the, um, the political slash diplomatic, as well as the um, financial one. And so... Let's try and understand what is it that Putin wanted to achieve at the eve of this invasion. First of all, the, his territorial demands were very, very simple. I want the, those regions of separatists, the Donetsk and Lugansk in the Donbass region in eastern Ukraine, I want them to become independent republics, which, by the way, Russia already acknowledged on the day before this crisis, before the war. 
And they also want a recognition of at least Ukraine in the Crimea annexation from 2014. On, and of course, uh, as Russia already have uh, a very, very strong achievements in the Sea of Azov, uh, and assuming that Mariupol is going to be uh, is going to fall because it is on the verge of falling, Putin might ask to actually annex to Russia not just uh, uh, the uh, Crimea but also a cor territorial corridor between Crimea and the Donbas area. So you know the the separatists, the Russian speaking, the Russian nationalists will be able to move freely between the two zones. Now. He not only wanted those territorial demands, but he also wanted to somehow reduce the security threat of Russia, of Ukraine on Russia. He wanted to originally disarm the country, which is completely disarming all military uh, uh, units, uh, all military industries, and all the purchasing of weapons from the West. He wanted Ukraine to uh, commit to, be, to stay neutral, and that will be in the Ukrainian, uh, it'll be anchored in the Ukrainian, uh, um, um, I, I guess, uh, constitution, which will lead Ukraine to not being able to ever be part of NATO. Putin also wanted to denazificate de uh, Ukraine. He believed that Zelensky is part of the, 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 the problem of Ukraine of being Nazi. Remember, I explained to you that any nationalist that wants to side with the West and, and denies his connection with Russia is seen by Putin as Nazi, national. And uh, obviously, I don't think in light of the great support that the world has for Zelensky nowadays, I don't think this one is something he's going to uh, in, insist on. He probably even understand that at this point Zelensky is an asset rather than a uh, problem because only someone like him can convince the Ukrainian people to achieve ceasefire in, in some sort of, a, of a, um, I guess, referendum in the Ukraine in the future. Also, um, he had some demands from the West, not just from the Ukraine. He wanted the complete uh, uh, reduction of uh, military presence of America and NATO in Eastern Europe in what used to be the Warsaw uh, Pact. Um, he want the, and I'm talking about Poland and Hungary and, and Romania and all of them, this area he wants to bring back to an area of Russian influence. He also wants all the sanctions that were imposed on Russia at the eve of the, of, of, of the invasion to be immediately um, uh, removed, including those uh, from 2014 when he annexed uh, Crimea. However, on the other side, the Ukraine demands that all the Russian forces will withdraw from its territory, that its territorial, um, uh, uh, I guess, uh, pact that will, 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 will remain, that it won't be divided uh, and that it will stay uh, sovereign in all areas in the Ukraine. I believe that um, uh, Zelensky has a very staunch, uh, stark opposition from the right 
which is the, uh, those that uh, Putin are calling them Nazis. And he will be very, it will be very hard for him to show some, uh, I guess, uh, um, uh, some flexibility um, in regarding, um, uh, we'll talk about uh, 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 being sovereign, so regarding sovereignty and regarding territory. Regarding NATO, I think Zelensky already already understand that uh, Ukraine will have to stay neutral, uh, and and all that Ukraine can get is some sort of guarantees, strong guarantees, reliable guarantees from the West that Ukraine will never be threatened again by Russia in the future. In light of the great devastation that is going to happen to the Ukraine until you reach any sort of arrangement. Um, of course, the Ukraine might uh, also demand some sort of compensation as, uh, uh, in order to um, reconstruct the country and rehabilitate the country. The West, besides uh, uh, removing the sanctions, is holding uh, in its hands also some cards that can uh, broaden this whole cake by negotiations and uh, some giving some some uh, some sort of uh, uh, I guess um, I guess goodies uh, in order to reach an agreement. Amongst them, it's the Marshall Plan to reconstruct Ukraine. So if the West is going to tell the Ukrainians, "Hey, sign an agreement with Russia, and we are going to reconstruct you. We are going to rebuild everything. It's not going to cost you a dime." Also, the West can give some guarantees. Um, uh, to Russia in Eastern Europe, some sort of arrangement uh, when it comes to weapon monitoring and the strategic uh, balance between Russia, America, and the NATO pact. So what are the five different scenarios that uh, we can uh, expect to see uh, in the near future that are the possible scenarios in light of what's going on now? And again, it moves all the way from complete Russian defeat of the Ukrainians all the way to a world war. And uh, stay tuned and see now what are the five different scenarios. Scenario number one is a, a, a great Russian victory over the Ukrainians. Um, even though the Ukrainian military was standing pretty strong in the, in the first few weeks of the, of the fighting, uh, the Russian strength and might is far more superior um, the, the, the siege, the destruction, the, the, the systematic destruction of infrastructures eventually will tip the whole thing towards Russia and America and NATO countries uh, will continue to remain from uh, intervening militarily. Putin will get all of, of his purposes, even if it's going to be in high, high costs, heavy costs, Russia will defeat the Zelensky um, government even without necessarily taking over Kiev, but just destroying it and obliterating it from the air, uh, just like it did in, to Grozny in Georgia. And uh, the Ukrainian military will stop functioning. The popular resistance will uh, fade out and Russia will then declare unilateral ceasefire after it will appoint some puppet government and sign with it a, a uh, an agreement of surrender on Russian terms. Now, this is 
scenario number one. I, um, what I just said, it's a possible scenario. It's not what I want to happen. It's not what I hope will happen. It's what I think is one of the five options. Option number two is the leveraging the territorial achievement of Russia, even though he, Putin might not uh, take over Kiev and may not even want to destroy it. Because well, don't forget, Kiev is the first capital of, of Russia, and it's in many churches and historical sites mentioned as such. Even so, maybe what Putin will do is take over Odessa, complete the disconnection of Ukraine from the Black Sea, or will continue to um, uh, go all around the Ukrainian military in the east, uh, uh, right opposite Donbass. And all of that will give Moscow some leverage uh, for negotiations. Putin might agree to a ceasefire from a very strong position that will give him the ability to receive most of his demands. Again, if the first one is great victory to Russia where he gets all of his demands, the second one is leveraging his already territorial achievement to get most of his demands. Scenario number three is escalation and uh, a trip on both sides and sinking in the Ukrainian mud. It will be a long uh, campaign, month-long uh, 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 war that will continue. The attacks, the brutal attacks of Russia will intensify. It will hurt many more civilians. It will destroy all the uh, civilian uh, um, uh, uh, infrastructures in the country. And even though Putin will have greater territorial achievement, the resistance of the people and the military of Ukraine will continue. The Russian forces are not able to break that resistance and they're standing in front of a guerrilla war that will be continued because the West feeds the locals with more weapon, very, very sophisticated and qual quality weapon from the West. And the guerrilla will, will uh, achieve uh, or will have its own cost on the, on the uh, Russian army and that will lose many, many, many different uh, military uh, equipment and uh, soldiers. The Russian frustration will lead to some very, very extreme measures in the battlefield artillery uh, uh, bombardment without any any uh, uh, consideration of any any um, you know uh, uh, issues on the ground and it will be not too precise attacks from the air look it's going to be horrific it's going to be dropping bombs on on, on civilian populations and maybe even escalate into using chemical weapon. And as you as as both sides are going to start paying even heavier prices, the inability to bring to a point of decision, um, both Putin and Zelensky will then eventually have uh, to agree on a ceasefire. There will be international mediators that will um, leverage the tiredness on both sides in order to promote ceasefire and maybe some sort of um, a, um, um, I guess, um, um, 
you know, some some sort of uh, agreement um, in political uh, um, political agreement on the ground itself. Um, scenario number four, and the reason why I'm breathing is because scenario number three, unfortunately, to me, sounds at this point where everybody's going. Scenario number four is actually the Russian army is completely stopped. It is being defeated and it stops all fighting. And, um, and then of course, um, there is going to be a threat from the West to intervene in the war as they see more and more horrific things happening in the Ukraine. Intensive, the intensifying of the sanctions and the complete um, political isolation of Russia on one hand and all the failures on the ground of the Russian military on the other hand brings Putin to the understanding that he had a wrong move in this invasion and there is an inner pressure in Russia, also a demand from China that will cause him to uh, uh, announce a ceasefire and his willingness to, to somehow negotiate a, a, a political um, um, diplomatic arrangement where he gets to very weak with very, very little leverage. That's number four. Number five, which uh, a lot of people are afraid of, is the expansion of this war to a much greater war, not just between Russia and the Ukraine, but it's going to be a NATO versus Russia escalation on the verge of World War III where you will have some incidents on the border with Poland, with Romania, maybe Russian attacks directly on those um, um, convoys that are bringing weapons to the Ukraine, but on the soil of a NATO member such uh, uh, as uh, Poland, maybe even using the chemical weapon against wep uh, civilians, all these might lead to intervention, military intervention of NATO in the war. The pact is, uh, um, is using Article 5 in its uh, charter um, uh, because of the attack on one of its members, but in an attempt to bring uh, all of it to a, a limited escalation, um, uh, it attacks Russian forces in the Ukraine only and not in Russia. Putin might decide to uh, go beyond uh, the borders of this war right now, and he might even react directly against NATO countries that are supporting Ukraine. He might even invade into one of the Baltic countries, and the two empire, the two superpowers, Russia and America, are having their nuclear powers in the highest alert, and a use of nuclear tactical nuclear weapon is being considered. World War III in a full scale is just one wrong decision away uh, from, uh, from on both sides. So this is basically, these are the five different scenarios. And I know that we've been talking about all of them, but uh, scenario number two, uh, mostly scenario number three, which is escalation and uh, sinking deep in this Ukrainian mud, all of these are basically, uh, I believe, more likely than anything else. Now, there are some 
um, obstacles on the way to any arrangement. First of all, there is the American um, dilemma. The war in Ukraine is basically putting America and the, the West in general um, in, in a dilemma that maybe stopping it from or preventing it from putting all of its weight in order to stop this war and bringing Ukraine and Russia together. On one hand, America is asking to defend this world order with these norms, international norms, and uh, it's going to be having a big, uh, uh, I guess, uh, problem of paying twice to Putin. One is to accept his uh, political achievements uh, as a result of the invasion. And the other, which means accepting the, the, uh, uh, the Crimea annexation and the uh, acknowledging Donbass area as a, a, a separated area. And at the same time also eventually remove all the sanctions. It's almost like saying to countries, if you want to get something, invade into another country, do your move, get what you want to get, and eventually, in order to stop the war, all the sanctions imposed on you are going to be removed. So this is it's something that America will have a hard time with. On the other hand, on the other hand, you have to understand America... Uh, um, uh, you know, looks at the uh, Ukrainian crisis. It's getting worse and worse. It's getting more and more brutal. It might even eventually get into a war between NATO and Russia, all the way to the point of a nuclear standoff. And uh, in order uh, to refrain from such escalation, um, maybe uh, it, they have to do whatever they need to in order to stop it. Um, so basically, another thing is nobody wants the prices of gas and oil to continue to skyrocket. Um, inflation in America is almost 8%. Biden needs uh, to you know, run for another this midterm elections in Congress. And also, he would not want to run again uh, in, in a very bad position when it comes to energy prices. And what about all the problem of the refugees in, in Europe? You're, you're talking about, um, you know, almost 3 million uh, Ukrainians that are already fled. So we're talking about a very big dilemma for America and a very complex negotiations. You understand that? It's not just uh, between uh, two parties, the Russia and Ukraine. This is a big, a big crisis that has more than one side. America and Europe countries are also a side in all of this. And although they don't fight on the ground, they are deeply involved in this crisis by ways of funneling and channeling weapon to the Ukrainian military on one side and imposing very, very paralyzing sanctions against Russia. Therefore, any agreement between Russia and the Ukraine on some sort of a um, arrangement will have to receive the uh, blessing of the West that will eventually have to pay by uh, removing sanctions and giving guarantees, uh, security guarantees to both sides. In such circumstances, to a bilateral negotiation between Russia and Ukraine that is going on right now, as much as 
it is going on right now, there's no real chances to bring any breakthrough and bring you back to the status quo of prior to February 24th. More than that, at this point, it looks like America is still ready to take the risk and give Putin a longer time to bleed on Ukrainian expense and to lower the prices that he's asking and making him weak, among other ways, by focusing on uh, China. The pressure is now on China. How all of this is going to eventually come to an end? Each and every one of these five scenarios that I talked about will eventually lead to some political and diplomatic uh, moves towards arrangement. And uh, this is obviously going to change according to the balance in the battlefield. And, uh, but at the very end, we know there is a what we call a zone of possible agreement that will include the following things. It will have to include the retreat of all Russian forces from Ukraine. Uh, I'm talking about the Russian areas that were taken starting from February 24th. I'm not talking about the Donbass or Crimea. And a Ukrainian, uh, uh, I guess, uh, Ukrainian um, uh, commitment for neutrality, just like Austria or Finland are today, and it will be anchored somehow, not necessarily in a in constitution, but maybe by ways of uh, giving them international guarantees. And also maybe it will be a Security Council, UN Security Council resolution that will end this crisis. Um, um, some, some sort of something that will be moved by the Western countries, uh, something else. There's going to be some sort of an agreement, maybe even silent agreement, maybe informal recognition of Russian of Russia's sovereignty on Crimea and uh, an agreement that it will never come back to Ukrainian hands because it's not realistic. There's also going to be some vague uh, uh, formula. Uh, very creative, but vague formula on the autonomy, autonomy of the Donbass region, maybe some guarantees that the Ukraine have to show to the safety and the conservation of the, uh, I guess, uh, identity of those Russian-speaking people in those two separatist regions. There has to be some American-Russian arrangement when it comes to security arrangements in Europe, on the global scale, and there has to be a complete removal of sanctions from Russia and a pack of international aid to reconstruct Ukraine. Maybe some other arrangements with China involved to reconnect the Russian economy to global markets. So if we come all the way to the end to, to, to summarize this whole thing, a month from the um, Russian invasion into the Ukraine, it looks like both sides are still entrenched in more than one way in both the physical and their psychological bunkers from the first day of the war. But there's been thousands of dead people, a complete destruction of um, 
infrastructure and the fabric of life in the Ukraine, over 3 million refugees. And it's almost uh, uh, inevitable that the worst is still ahead of us. All of this probably going to cause people to intensify the efforts and the attempts to bring about a ceasefire and an agreement. But um, as you can see, we already more or less know what it's going to include. And my, that might bring some stability to, to Eastern Europe. But I want to tell you something. If this will escalate into an all war, um, the, the zone of a possible agreement um, it might turn irrelevant um, when there is a direct con uh, conflict between NATO and Russia. You know, again, as I said, there's five different scenarios here. The first one, of course, is Russian victory. The second one is leveraging all the territorial achievement of Russia to, to get a better agreement. Um, not all uh, of Putin's demands, but most of them. Number three, escalation, attrition. Both sides are getting deeper in the Ukrainian mud, and there's going to be a much worse situation on the ground, mostly for the Ukrainian civilians, with a possible use of unconventional weapons such as chemical one. Number four, the, Ukraine, the Russian army will be stopped, defeated, and, and uh, basically stop the fighting. Um, but again, we know, we know exactly the size of the Russian army versus the size of the, size of the Ukrainians. And number five, hopefully it's not going to happen, but it, there is a chance it will. And that's when the whole thing will go way beyond Russia, Ukraine. NATO countries will be attacked. NATO will have to activate uh, and use Article 5 in its uh, charter and there's going to be even an exchange of tactical nuclear um, weapon. We talked about all the dilemmas of America, the complexity of the, uh, of the uh, negotiations and how we believe eventually it has to end up with the zone of possible agreement. And we specified the different points of it. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the things we hope uh, that it's not going to escalate to an old war. But now I want to bring you back to the Bible. The Bible is not talking about uh, conflicts between countries as they are and between themselves. It's always, when it comes to Bible prophecy, it's always about countries and conflicts that they have with Israel. Eventually, we know. We know that Russia will come against Israel. We know that there's going to be a coalition that will come and attack Israel from the north. We understand that um, Russia will not disappear after this Ukraine war. If anything, Russia will need more achievements on the ground. Russia will need more um, uh, uh, some sort of uh, spoils of war, as Ezekiel 38 describes it as a financial war. And so is that because Russia will be defeated in Ukraine? Or is that because Russia will feel that it's stronger after the Ukraine war? We don't know that. And I'm not here as a prophet. I'm from a non-profit organization. I'm not trying to guess what's going to happen. I gave you five different possible scenarios. But one thing for sure, when it comes to Bible prophecy and future events that the Lord revealed through his prophets, there are no scenarios. 
there are no possible zone of possible agreement and arrangement. These are set events that God already saw happening in the future and by his grace revealed to us through his servants, the prophets. So in the meantime, I want to wish you all uh, a great weekend and uh, keep praying for the Ukrainian people. Keep praying for an end to this terrible uh, war. But again, remember, 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 this is not our place. This is not our world. This is not our home. And because of exactly these type of things, we can clearly see how people are getting further and further away from God as they trust their chariots, they trust their horses, and they trust governments. And this longing for some world leader that will come forth and put an end to all of these wars, this is going to be the fertile ground for the rise of the Antichrist. And his rise means our departure because we will first have to be removed as second thessalonians chapter 2 says the reader will be taken out of the way and then this man of lawlessness this son of perdition will be revealed so uh we're going to continue to pray for our soon rapture and continue to pray for the people uh that are involved and remember the real hope for peace will never come from the UN or from NATO, will never come from any good gesture of a, either the you know Ukrainian or the Russian president. Uh, real peace can only come from the Prince of Peace. He is the Lord of Peace, and he can give all of us peace here and everywhere, now and forever. His name is Yeshua. He is Sal Shalom, the Prince of Peace. He gives us peace that the world cannot give. He gives us peace that is surpassing all understanding. It's peace that either, even in the midst of a terrible war, you know where you go and you know that you have eternal life. To be absent from the body in Christ is to be present with the Lord. And for us, uh, death is, is, is to live is Christ, to die is, is gain. So, so we are not afraid of this. Thank you. God bless you. Stay safe and pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and also pray for the salvation of all the people that are involved to understand the true meaning of true peace. Thank you. God bless you. And Join the Amir Sarfari and Behold Israel channel on Telegram. Here you will receive daily updates and audio messages from Amir. You can also take part in our community and reply with comments. Join the Amir Sarfari and Behold Israel channel on Telegram. Here you will receive daily updates and audio messages from Amir. You can also take part in our community and reply with comments. Getting started is easy. Simply download Telegram from the App Store, then visit the Behold Israel Telegram channel in your browser. From there, click Preview Channel, then click Join. That's it. See you on Telegram.